Hello and welcome back to the Devin Rogers Experience. Today we're going to be talking about my second favorite band of all time, just behind Pink Floyd, Green Day, Billy Joe Armstrong, Mike Durnt, and Trey Cool. A power trio of three amazing punk musicians who helped define an era of pop punk. What's pop punk, you might be asking? Well... Really all it is is a mixture of two genres, pop and punk. Well, I think Green Day is the band that does pop punk the best. Starting in 1994, they released their first major record, Dookie. Coming on to Warner Bros. Records, they changed the music industry as we know it. With their powerful album, Dookie, nothing would be the same for pop and nothing would be the same for punk ever again. Green Day is led by Billy Joe Armstrong on lead guitar and vocals, Mike Durnt on bass, and Trey Cool the Madman on drums. Now this group, they may not be, you know, they may not have four or five members of the band, but with only three people in the band, they create a sound that not even six people in a band could create. They're so loud, they're so powerful. And their energy when you see them perform live on stage is unmatched. These guys are close to their 50s now. And their energy when I see them perform live on stage is incredible. All three members of Green Day are originally from California. Billy Joe Armstrong hails from Rodeo, California where he developed an interest in music at a very young age. And in a Green Day song called Maria, you actually hear his first recording at the age of five. It's uh, very interesting to hear him at a, such a young age speaking to the microphone with such confidence. And um, you could tell that this was the start of a true, long-time, lasting musician who would have lasting effects on the music industry as a whole. Billy Joe Armstrong's environment heavily influenced him in his songwriting. Rodeo, California was a very industrial town, and the the overall vibe and atmosphere of the place definitely influenced his music. When thinking about the song, probably my favorite Green Day song, Welcome to Paradise, you get the feel of a gritty town, industrial, and that type of feeling is definitely conveyed through the song Welcome to Paradise, the feeling of his hometown of Rodeo, California. When Billy Joe Armstrong was in grade school, he met a friend named Mike Pritchard. And Mike Pritchard was a class clown, always getting into trouble, always going to the principal's office. And this attracted Billy Joe. He wanted to have a friend like this. Not only uh, was Mike Pritchard a class clown, but he could also play bass guitar. So, Billy Joe Armstrong and Mike Pritchard went on to form a band at the age of 15 called Sweet Children, and this was the start of what we now know as Green Day. Mike Pritchard would go on to be known as Mike Durnt because the sound of his bass playing sounded like the sound Durnt, Durnt. So, he was aptly named Mike Durnt. When Billy Joe Armstrong was only 10 years old, His father passed away tragically, and his mother then married a man who Billy and the rest of his siblings disliked. This made Billy Joe retreat into music even further. 
because music was his only escape. It was his only coping mechanism. In the very early days of Green Day, Billy Joel Armstrong and Mike Durnt were supplemented with drummer John Kiffmeyer, who helped them establish a name for themselves in the Oakland and San Francisco punk scene. In 1989, Green Day released their debut EP, 1000 Hours, through Lookout Records. Then after that, they recorded their debut studio album, 39 Smooth, and then the extended play Slappy in 1990, which were later compiled into a compilation called 1039 Smoothed Out Slappy Hours, which was released in 1991. While Green Day with John Kiffmeyer on drums had a sound that was largely influenced by other punk bands such as the Ramones and Misfits, John Kiffmeyer was eventually going to leave the band in 1992. So Green Day had to recruit another drummer, and thankfully for them, they found the perfect drummer in Trey Cool. Trey Cool? You're probably thinking, that's a pretty crazy name. Well, that's not his actual name. His real name is Frank Edwin Wright III, but he is better known by his stage name, Trey Cool. Raised in the California country mountainside, Trey Cool developed an interest in drumming when his neighbor, Larry Livermore, who was, at the, at the time, a singer of the punk band The Lookouts, who was on Lookout Records, he helped Trey Cool develop an interest in drumming. Having nothing more to do in the California mountainside besides play drums, Trey Cool developed a proficiency in drumming very quickly. It was in 1992 that Trey Cool would officially become a member of Green Day alongside Billy Joe Armstrong and Mike Durnt. In that same year, Green Day would release their first album with Trey Cool called Kerplunk. And the sound of it is very gritty. It doesn't have the best mixing on it. But let me tell you, it's full of classic pop-punk songs. And even though it's only their first album with Trey Cool, it stands as one of my favorite Green Day albums of all time. It's just pop-punk at its core. It's great. The sonic resonance in it will just hit you fast, hard, and powerful. Green Day would tour the country for most of 1992 and 1993, promoting their album, Kurt Plunk. They toured in Trey Cool's dad's book van, where they would sleep in, they would haul their equipment in, and they would travel across the whole country in this book van. With extensive touring in 1992 and 1993, Green Day would catch the attention of many fans, as well as many record labels. Warner Brothers would be the record label that would sign Green Day to produce their hit, their classic, 1994 album, Dookie. I first heard the record Dookie when I was going into my freshman year of high school. I had a CD of it in my basement that my dad owned, but I never listened to it. I only saw this album with some crazy artwork on it that someone drew it literally looks like someone just drew this album artwork with a colored pencil and there's so much going on in the album artwork that it drew my attention the attention of a 14 year old boy was immediately drawn to a record called dookie so i popped it into my computer burned the cd and started listening along to the whole album and i was absolutely floored Never before in my life had I listened to music that resonated so deeply with me. I mean, I loved music. I was a musician since 
I was six years old. But the first time I heard Green Day, I think I felt music for the first time that actually spoke to me as a person and who I was. It was just so relatable to me. And when I listened to this song, Longview, I remember off Dookie, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, how have I never heard of this before? This sound is so original, it's so powerful. And I was immediately in love with the band Green Day. The album opens fast with the song Burnout. So within those first few lyrics of their first album, Dookie, and their first song off their first album, Burnout, you immediately know what the band is about. I declare I don't care anymore are the first lyrics. Green Day, they've always been punks, and some might even call them losers, and they're portraying that in their music. They're losers, they're outcasts from society, but guess what? They make some of the best music ever. Listening and playing along to Trey Cool's drumming helped develop my drumming more than anything else, I think. Like I said, when I was just going into high school, I was practicing drums quite a bit. But when I started practicing the Green Day, I would practice for at least two hours every day. And playing along to Trey Cool's fast uh, punk beats definitely helped improve my drumming chops. Just take a listen to this drum solo by Trey Cool off Burnout, the first song on Dookie. It's amazing. Mmm. Get it, Trey Cool. That's how I feel every time I listen to that. And to see him perform it live, he does it even better live. He does it faster live. It's amazing. Like in my other episode where I talked about Metallica, Green Day is a band that's not afraid to talk about dark issues and things that exist in real life that many people would prefer to stray away from. In the second song off Dookie, Having a Blast, the band, Billy Joe Armstrong more specifically, sings about wanting to annihilate people, a feeling of complete abandonment of any hope in life and just wanting to take anyone out because he's lost all hope in life now not many people ever have this feeling but since it exists in the real world and people do have this feeling billy joe armstrong knew he had to sing about it the next song the third song on dookie is called chump and here it is So this pretty this song is pretty much about uh, someone that Billy Joe Armstrong hates. He hates this chump, and he hates them because they have taken the girl that he wants. Green Day is a very angry band, and it's not they're not angry like how Metallica is, where they 
create dark lyrics about the world. Green Day is a very inwardly focused band where Billy Joe Armstrong writes about his feelings and he explains them in a very blunt way. It's angry, but at the same time, it's normal. They're normal feelings to have. This is their song, Longview, with a rocking bass line. Oh, man. I listen to it now and I get chills. I love playing it on bass, too. The song's about boredom, not having anything to do, and again, being a loser. The fifth song on Dookie, Welcome to Paradise. A fan favorite amongst all of their songs and still holds up today. One of my favorite drumming songs. It defines what pop punk is. This song is called Pulling Teeth, the sixth song off Dookie. Probably the most laid back song in the album. You know, Trey Cool's right hand, the hand he uses to play the hi-hat, it's so powerful. And, you know, he has a certain way of playing it that it just brings out so much speed and volume. Mike Dirt, he hops around the bass like, like it's a, like the songs he plays are funk, but they're punk. And his style is just so incredible. Meanwhile, Billy Joe Armstrong is writing some of the most profound and obvious and blunt lyrics, but they resonate with so many people. And his guitar playing, it's simple. Just like, you know, most of their bass lines are too. They're really just three, four chords. But like I said before, it's powerful and that's all you need from them. Green Day, like Pink Floyd, is a band that talks about insanity in their lyrics. This song is called Basket Case and might be one of their most famous. I'm looking at it on YouTube and it has over 239 million views. Listen to this solo. That drum solo. One of the most famous drum solos of all time. One of their most famous songs of all time too, obviously with 239 million views. This next song is called She, Rockin' Bassline. Really, it's only about six notes the whole song. But Billy Joe Armstrong talks about how women in society are often just tools without a use. That's literally the lyrics he says. And it's true. Sometimes women don't get their credit in the world. But Billy Joe Armstrong tries to break that down in this song and relate to women. This next song is called Sassafras Roots, and it might be my favorite song to play on Dookie, on bass and on drums. It's just fun, it's rocking, it's got a fun little uh, groovy bass line to it. And you can tell by Billy Joe's lyrics that he's a hopeless romantic that doesn't have much luck with women. and. He's very angry because of that, and that sentiment defines their music. Another one of Green Day's most famous songs is When I Come Around. On YouTube, it has 85 million views. Another very laid-back song off Dookie, but one of my favorites as well. Very contemplative, and makes me think about a lot of things. 
the song is pretty much saying to a woman, hey, if you ever want me back here, you know where to find me when I come around. Billy Joel Armstrong in the song Coming Clean Off Dookie focuses on his struggle with being bisexual and coming clean and coming to terms with that. Mom and Dad will never understand. On the song Emineus Sleepus, they talk about meeting a friend after a long time of not seeing them and how much that friend has changed. And what a great description after seeing that person. I think I'm sick and I want to go home. We've all had instances in our life where we've met someone after a long time of not seeing them and they're completely different and it can be sickening. And what a great way to capture that in the song, Emineus Sleepus. The second to last song on Duke, he describes bitterness towards a woman and how she chose someone else over Billy Joe. It's fast, hard hitting. That's where the downbeat lies. Very fun song to play along to on drums. Green Day closes Dookie with probably their most powerful and hard-hitting song on the whole album called FOD. It's great. I'm not going to say what FOD stands for. Not appropriate in the slightest, but one of my favorite Green Day songs of all time. It's great. After about five minutes of silence at the end of the last song on the album, Trey Cool comes in playing guitar instead of drums and singing along to this goofy song all by myself. Very funny song. I love it. I was all by myself. No one was looking. I was thinking of you. With the release of Dookie, Green Day found themselves receiving international fame. They went on to play at Woodstock 1994, one of my favorite concerts of all time that I have ever seen. In this concert, it was outside just like Woodstock was back in the 60s, and Green Day was playing just after the morning just after a rainstorm, and it was very muddy in the in the area that they were playing in. So people uh, fueled by the aggressive nature of Green Day's punk music, started throwing mud up onto the stage. And during the last 10 minutes of Green Day's performance, an all-out mud fight erupted on the stage and in the audience. People were being pelted by huge piles of mud. Billy Joe Armstrong and Mike Durnt were being pelted by mud. And at one point, Mike Durnt became so unrecognizable by having so much mud smeared all over him that security thought he was actually a fan on stage, and they tackled him, broke his tooth, chipped it, and had to receive emergency dental surgery. That's one of my favorite Green Day stories of all time. Back on the road again touring Dookie, Green Day found themselves exhausted. Billy Joe rarely slept and was fueled by drugs and alcohol as they toured. In 1995, they followed up Dookie with the hit record Insomniac. Now, this album couldn't be promoted as much as Dookie was, 
because there was so much swearing in the album that it hindered radio play and play on MTV. Nonetheless, the album was very successful and is a great follow-up to a masterpiece of pop punk that is Dookie. I'd say Insomniac is actually the second best Green Day album just because the vibes are so there. Um, they're exactly like Dookie, um, but the mixing is a little different. The bass is a bit more thumpy. Um, Billy Joe Armstrong's vocals aren't as uh, pretty. They're gritty. They're not pretty, they're gritty. This song is the first song off Insomniac, and it's called Armitage Shanks. The inspiration for this song name came when Green Day was touring in England, and they saw a toilet that had the branding of Armitage Shanks. That's a toilet company. So they thought, you know what? Let's name one of our songs Armitage Shanks. This song is stuck with me. One of the best examples of how great Mike Dern is. That was a Mike Dern bass run right there. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. His bass playing in this song I think is his best playing um, in any song he's ever recorded. There's so much going on. It's great. This song is called Geek Stink Breath and is their most famous song off Insomniac. It talks about Billy Joel Armstrong's struggle with methamphetamine. I don't know if he actually did methamphetamine because I know the addiction rate for methamphetamine is very high and I think he would have quite a hard time ever recovering from it, if, even if he did it once. Nonetheless, the song is definitely about methamphetamine addiction. I won't dissect every song off Insomniac, but I'll show you some of my favorites. This one is Stewart in the Avenue. I'll go back to the beginning. Listen to this bass line we have here. It's so funky. And in just a couple notes, he's doing so much. This is a band, again, that can do more with less. I take it back about Geek Stink Breath being the most famous song off Insomniac. It's definitely this song, Brain Stew. It's about insomnia, just like the whole album really is. It's not as filled with guitar and bass and drums as their other songs are, but it's still very punk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead to later in the song so you can hear how gritty it sounds at the end. Now it's really pop punk. The next song on the album is Westbound Sign, and it's a song about how Billy Joe had a girlfriend that had to move very far away from him. You know, it's a, it's a love song, but in a pop punk style, and it's actually one of my favorite songs off the album. Another rocking bass line. This song is called Walking Contradiction, and it's their last single off the, the album Insomniac. What a great album, and within a year, they followed up Dookie brilliantly with this album. And 
This album doesn't get enough credit. I think it's their second best, but not many people think that. After Green Day released Insomniac in 1995, they followed it up with the album Nimrod. Now this album has the hit song on it that almost everyone knows, Time of Your Life, Good Riddance. Now this song is very popular. It became even more popular when it was used in the sitcom Seinfeld in one of their clip show episodes to highlight what a great time filming the show was. It's popularly used at high school graduations, prom, and it's such a great song. I think this might be Green Day's first masterpiece of a song. Instead of their normal pop punk, they stripped it to acoustic, just featuring Billy Joe's guitar, um, a string section, his vocals, and this helped propel Green Day from um, just the pop punk scene into a more generalized rock audience. People started listening to Green Day more and more, uh, more than ever before with the release of Good Written's Time of Your Life. The album Nimrod saw Green Day experimenting with new sounds, such as this song, Last Ride In. It's very jazzy, almost. I'll skip forward a little bit. So, with this album, Green Day found it easy to stray away from their roots. Um, it, there's still very much... Uh, an influence of pop punk in here it's still pop punk at its core but they were less afraid to experiment with new sounds on this album in the year 2000 Green Day released an album that was as far away from Dookie as it could possibly be entitled Warning now this album is actually influenced by the folk rock singer Bob Dylan I remember uh, reading about them citing them citing Bob Dylan as a heavy influence on this album there, this song right here is called Macy's Day Parade and is the closing song off the album Warning even more so than they did with Nimrod they were able to stray away from their pop punk sound and experiment with new sounds and this album is almost forgotten in terms of their uh, larger discography, but it's still great. There's so many good songs on this album. A fan favorite Green Day song of all time appears on this record. It's called Minority. Now, this song is one of my favorites. The music video is of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, kind of mirroring the last song on the album, Macy's Day Parade. When I think about this album, it has kind of a fall and autumn vibe to it. Um, when I think of Dookie and Insomniac and even Nimrod, there's summer vibes that, uh, that fill me when I listen to it. But my, with Minority and Macy's Day Parade and the rest of the songs off Warning, this album makes me feel calm more so than the other albums do. It brings me to a place of relaxation and just general joy. It's not as angry as the last so as the last albums that they made, but 
there's definitely some anger, but more so there's uh there's a bit of happiness in this record. Green Day sort of fell into a slump after releasing Warning. It wasn't received as well by the fans as their albums Dookie, Insomniac, and Nimrod. And they had to do some soul-searching in terms of where they wanted to go next as a band. They started work on a new album called Cigarettes and Valentine, but in the year 2002, all their uh, recordings, their demos, their master recordings for this record were stolen from the studio. So they had to scrap Cigarettes and Valentines completely. They said, we're just not even going to focus on this record. We have to start new. And thank goodness that they did because it led to the release of maybe their most famous album, American Idiot. It's hard to find anyone that hasn't heard this song, American Idiot, before. It might be Green Day's most defining song. Now, this album, and more specifically, this song is inspired by Billy Joe Armstrong's anger and rage against the Bush administration at the time. Billy Joe Armstrong is from San Francisco, a very liberal city, and his sentiments towards the Bush administration were strong, and he did not like them at all. So, he released the song, American Idiot, basically about how he thinks George Bush is an American idiot. This song, I'd say, is actually my favorite Green Day song of all time. It's called Jesus of Suburbia. And what Billy Joe Armstrong does here in this song is create, he creates a story and makes American Idiot actually a concept album, an album that tells a story. And the album tells the story of a character named the Jesus of Suburbia. This song is an absolute epic of pop punk. Standing in at nine minutes, it has five distinct parts to the song. American Idiot is such a successful record, one of the most successful albums of all time. Rolling Stone ranked it as the 225th best album of all time out of 500 albums. It made the cut, and considering that it made the second half of the best albums of all time it it says a lot i mean there's so many albums in that list but the fact that american idiot and i believe dookie is also on that list it's a testament to green day's greatness the third song off american idiot is holiday a song about celebration breaking away from the norm and celebrating being an outcast in society the marching band I teach with, we played this song in our uh, in our marching band season this year, and with such a love I have for Green Day, it was amazing to hear my marching band play this song. When I was on my way to high school graduation, I listened to this song on the car ride there. This is the dawning of the rest of our lives, is what Billy Joe Armstrong sings. And what a perfect way to sum up how I felt about high school. As soon as I graduated, that was the dawning of the rest of my life. The high energy of holidays brought down in the subsequent song, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. The song talks about how the singer Jesus of Suburbia 
how he's moved to the city and he is depressed. There's nothing in the city. In the song Jesus of Suburbia, the Jesus of Suburbia, he leaves his hometown and he goes to the city in holiday, but in Boulevard of Broken Dreams, he finds nothing and he walks alone. This song run, won a Grammy in 2006 for Record of the Year. Very popular song. I would find it hard to find anyone that hasn't heard this song before. After Boulevard of Broken Dreams, the story progresses to a point where the Jesus of suburbia is empty in life. He's waiting for something, something to take him and lead him to a new place in the world. This song is very laid back compared to the rest of the album, but still great. There's a sense of longing for something else in life with this song. Then, after Are We The Waiting, the Jesus of Suburbia encounters a new figure in the album, a new character called Saint Jimmy. Here's the song, Saint Jimmy. The Saint Jimmy is a character who is a very bad influence on the Jesus of Suburbia. He's a drug addict. He's an outcast and a loser, more so than the Jesus of Suburbia is. And Saint Jimmy will lead the Jesus of Suburbia to new places that he probably should not go in his life. The next song is called Give Me Novocaine. And this song is about St. Jimmy and Jesus of Suburbia feeling numb after experimenting with drugs. The next song is called She's a Rebel. And this song introduces a new character into the album. Uh, a love interest for the saint, or for the Jesus of Suburbia. Someone that matches his rebellious nature. She's a rebel. The Jesus of Suburbia falls in love with this extraordinary girl, which is the title track of the next song on the album. He finds her so extraordinary, and that the next song talks about that. This is Extraordinary Girl. Sadly for the Jesus of Suburbia though, things don't work out well with the girl that he finds. He messes things up to a point where she sends him a letter bomb, uh, a metaphor or symbolic for a letter that tells him off, tells him that he, that, that she is going to leave him. In this song, the album comes to a whole and we realize many of the things in the album aren't what they seem. So I'll play a little bit of these lyrics that bring the album to a forefront. You're not the Jesus of Suburbia, so the love interest of the Jesus of Suburbia is saying, you're not who you think you are. You're not some Jesus of Suburbia. And she says, the Saint Jimmy, he's actually a figment of 
your mother's love and your father's rage. And she goes on to say how being with him made her the American idiot. So right here, we realize that the Saint Jimmy is actually not even a person. It's just an alter ego to the Jesus of suburbia. And the Saint Jimmy is someone that the Jesus of suburbia has created in his mind to help him, one, get the extraordinary girl who he calls what's-her-name because he doesn't know her name, and it helps him become a rebel. The next song on the album is Wake Me Up When September Ends. This song has 169 million views on YouTube. Now, Billy Joe wrote this song about his father's passing. Being that this album was released in 2004, many of the listeners of this song related Wake Me Up When September Ends to the terrorist attacks on the day of 9-11, 2001. It's truly one of the most touching Green Day songs of all time. One of their most famous. It's very sad. You can hear Billy Joe's sadness about his father. His father dying when Billy Joe was only 10. There's so much sadness in the song. And I've seen live performances of the song where Billy Joe is on the verge of tears singing it. The song means so much to him. It took him his whole life up until that point to write about it's the culmination of so much emotion that when he performs it live he has a hard time um maintaining his emotions it's so powerful while the song wake me up when september ends kind of strays from the story of the album with the jesus of suburbia the next song is called homecoming and this talks about jesus of suburbia's coming to terms with who he truly is at this point in the album the jesus of suburbia has found a job regular working job on east 12th street wherever that is probably oakland san francisco and at this point the jesus of suburbia realizes that he has to kill the saint jimmy in his mind and so by killing saint jimmy he becomes his true authentic self Homecoming is just as much of an epic song as Jesus of Suburbia is. The song, like Jesus of Suburbia, has five mini-songs in it. And two of the songs, Mike Durnt and Trey Cool actually sing. In this mini-song, Nobody Likes You, Mike Durnt has lead vocals. Here's Trey Cool's song, Rock and Roll Girlfriend. So not only can Trey Cool play drums, he can also play guitar. And he has a pretty good voice. 
The album closes with the Jesus of Suburbia returning to his hometown after venturing out to the city. He returns to the joy of his friends and realizes that this is where he really belongs, is his hometown. It's a beautiful ending to an album because I'm a hometown boy myself and I, uh, I went to school in a small town in Michigan and I'll always view it as home and it's a beautiful place so this song resonates with me a lot that no matter what I'll always find myself at home when I return to my small town. The album American Idiot closes with the last song What's Her Name talking about the only thing left lingering in Jesus of Suburbia's mind at the end of the album is the love he lost, the love that sent him a letter bomb, and he doesn't even know her name. He has to call her What's-Her-Name, and he doesn't even know if she exists. It's a sad closing to a, a absolute rock opera. American Idiot was such a successful record. It had so much fame and so much popularity that it spawned a musical. Of all avenues that Green Day would go to, they went to a musical. And it was so successful. Here's What's Her Name as the musical version. The musical is really cool because it captures the gritty essence of American Idiot at its core and portrays it on stage with such a unique and amazing design. Um, I believe the, the musical American Idiot actually won a few Tony Awards for its design. Now, they also, the musical also had a live band play on stage. And instead of having the band playing the orchestra pit, the drummer, the bassist, and the guitarist, they actually played on stage, which is very unique for a musical. At one point, when American Idiot was on Broadway, Billy Joe Armstrong actually appeared in the musical in the role of St. Jimmy. And when I saw the video of Billy Joe Armstrong first coming out on stage as St. Jimmy, the, the crowd in the musical erupted. They couldn't believe that their hero, Billy Joe Armstrong, was portraying the character St. Jimmy. They were ecstatic to see him play it. American Idiot was truly the peak of Green Day's popularity. In 2009, they released the album 21st Century Breakdown. It's a pretty good album, but I don't think it matches the epicness of American Idiot. Has plenty of good songs such as 21 Guns, this song that I'm listening to right now, American Eulogy, um, the title track 21st Century Breakdown, songs like Viva La Gloria um, are some of the most memorable songs off 21st Century Breakdown. Green Day started American Idiot by talking about political issues, and this album, 21st Century Breakdown, furthered some of that political discussion. Green Day also has released two live albums, and they're really fun to listen to. It's fun to hear the crowd get into the music and how much energy Green Day creates in a stadium. After 21st Century Breakdown, Green Day released three albums in a row in almost... 
six months, they released three albums. Each album had 12 songs. One of them had 13, and they were called Uno, Dos, and Trey. Trey as a reference to Trey Cool. Now, these albums uh, aren't really received as well by the fans. I once saw a performance of Billy Joel Armstrong on YouTube where he was, uh, it was in 2016, three years after they released this trilogy of albums. And he said, I wrote 34 songs or 36 songs for three albums and no one liked them. But I actually love the three albums. There's a lot of good songs on them. After the trilogy records, Green Day released Revolution Radio in 2016 and then followed that album up with Father of All in 2020. Revolution Radio and Father of All saw Green Day decline in popularity. They were no longer as prominent in the music scene as they were in the American Idiot era. Nonetheless, though, Green Day is a band that has defined a culture of pop punk. They've defined a generation of musicians. They've defined a generation of listeners, people that love their music. And I'll always have a dear place for Green Day in my heart. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. And when I listened to them, when I listened to Dookie for the first time, like I was talking about earlier, it felt like I was listening to music for the first time. It felt like a piece of my soul was opened up as I listened to them. They relate to the average person so much. They relate to the hopeless romantic like me. They relate to outcasts like me. And there's so much to be found with Green Day and their music. I think there's a little bit for everyone to like uh, with Green Day. You know, you don't have to be a big fan of their fast pop punk to enjoy the song Good Riddance. Well, I hope you had the time of your life listening to this episode of the Devin Rogers Experience and enjoying the music and the stories of the band Green Day. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Tune in again next time. Thank you.